Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Um, This weekend we're starting a new series called Minimized. And uh, sometimes when you're working on your computer, uh, you don't want to get rid of a screen, but you want to put it to the side. You minimize it. And this is what happens so many times, I think, with the Holy Spirit. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna be talking about who is the Holy Spirit, what is his role in our lives, what does that look like practically? Um, Because there's a lot of misperceptions about who he is, a lot of of, uh, questions about who he is. And the reality is, um, he is, he is important for us in our lives. He is important for our world. And, uh, and so we just want to walk through what does that look like? Uh, we don't want to minimize his presence in our life. We don't want to minimize his role in our church even. And so that's really what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Um, and I think for a lot of people, we want God without the Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> And this is tricky because one of the things we see is uh, we see this interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees and they're saying, um, they're, they get off topic. They're talking about Abraham and they said, we're sons of Abraham. And he says, no, you're not because you don't act like Abraham. And he said, you act like you've got a different father. And he's implying that they're sons of the devil is what he's implying. Now I'm shocked that Jesus would say that because I would never feel that way about anybody ever actually just makes me feel a little better. I'm like, okay, if Jesus said that, then anyway. So um, Jesus says this, and then they're, they're just, they lose it. They're angry. And they say, um, God is our only father. And he said, no, you're wrong again. Because if God was your father, you would love and accept me because I'm the son of God. Um, so, so there's a disconnect there. And what he's saying is, hey, you want God, but you don't want Jesus. Now, I would say this. I think you can be a Christian and you can go to heaven without experiencing what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Uh, I don't believe there's a section for people in heaven that are filled with the Spirit and people who aren't filled. Like, the good section, the VIP section is, right? But, but here's the thing. If Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit's important on our life, then we have to understand he's important. And we should not be people who say, I want God, but I don't want the Holy Spirit. We should be people who say, God, I want all of you, whatever that looks like. So here's your homework for the week. I'm gonna start with your homework. Your homework for this week is this. I would love for you to read John 14, 15, and 16. And the reason is because this is where Jesus introduces the idea of the Holy Spirit to his followers. Uh, it's getting to the end of his life. He's wrapping things up. It's before he goes to the cross and things are still a little cryptic. Like he doesn't just tell them everything that's gonna happen. We understand through hindsight, we can look back at his story and look at what he's saying and we understand. They had no clue. He was trying to tell them without just giving away the surprise. This is a little bit like, have you ever had somebody that uh, you were trying to do a surprise party for? And you're like, Hey, what do you want to eat for dinner on your birthday? And they're like, oh, just whatever. And you're like, well, how about if we eat Mexican food? 
You're like, I don't know if I want Mexican. But no, you should eat Mexican food. It's really good. And we could go to this restaurant at this time. How about it? And they're like, I don't know. You're like, I think, I, I think it sounds in, right. You, you're trying to point them in the direction without just telling them. And so in Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, in John 14, 15, and 16, what we see is Jesus, he keeps coming back to this idea of the Holy Spirit. He keeps coming back and going, oh, hey, hey guys, uh, someday I'm not gonna be with you, but you need the Holy Spirit. And then he kind of gets sidetracked and he's like, but yeah, you, you remember what I said about the Holy Spirit? You need, he keeps coming back to this over and over and over. And this is a good introduction to who the Holy Spirit is and, and what he wants to do in our lives. And remember this, We've mentioned this before. Jesus actually said in John 16, 7, he said, it's better that I go away. It is better for your long-term prospects that I'm not with you and that the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus, the greatest teacher, the greatest scholar, the son of God, said it is better for you to have the Holy Spirit present with you long-term than me. That should tell us something about how Jesus values who the Holy Spirit is and his role in our lives. So the question is, who is he? Who is he, right? Who is the Holy Spirit? It's kind of like this. If, if uh, my girls come home and they tell me, Dad, there's, there's a boy I like. That's a whole other set of issues, right? But I'm gonna start asking some questions. Who is he? And they might give me his name, but how many of you know the names are not enough? I don't know what your questioning looks like, but my line of interrogation begins with the question, the most important question, where does he go to church? And they know, my girls know, the unacceptable answer is, I don't know, or he doesn't. It's like, wrong answer. And then a trap door opens below the boy and he just plunges like, <laughs> never to be heard from again. <laughs> Right? So I want to know. Tell me about this guy. Who is he? What's he like? What does he do? What, give me some idea. And this is really what we're going to do over the next few day, uh, weekends is just talk through. Who is he? What, what is he like? What does he do? And that's the questions we want to answer. Uh, and so I want you to know there, this isn't high pressure. Uh, we're not going to ask you to fill anything out or to dr just drink this or anything like that. This really is just an introduction to who the Holy Spirit is. So the first thing I would tell you today is this. He's God. Really simply, he's God. You know, well, that, that doesn't seem to make sense. So um, an orthodox view within Christianity is the Trinity. And the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. Three parts in one. Now, one of the problems I think we have with the Holy Spirit is he doesn't have a name. With God, he's got a name, God. The Son has a name, Jesus. The Holy Spirit, no name. <laughs> and I was joking last night in our Saturday night service that maybe we need to give him a name, like Bill. That feels like a good name, like, Right? Like, if he had a name, then we would understand, oh, if this is not his name, this is his title, this is what he does. He is the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand this. He is God. God is not schizophrenic. He is one. And he functions in three different ways. 
So the Father is the description of who he is. He is God. The Holy Spirit is the description of who God is in this way. He is the Holy Spirit. And he was present at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it, God is creating humanity. And he said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And then notice this is not singular. He is saying us. What is he talking about? Well, this is the Trinity. He's saying, hey, let us make human beings in our image. And there's this community among them that we see, this communion. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The spirit of God was present in the midst of chaos. And this is a word for somebody. I think it goes back to what Kim said earlier. Um, in the midst of chaos, the presence of God is there. But let me be more specific. The Holy Spirit wants to be not just with you, but in you during chaos. We'll come back to that in a minute. So in the beginning, the Spirit hovered over the surface of the water in the midst of all the chaos that was our world. It was formless and empty and darkness and the Holy Spirit was there. And it's interesting because the word spirit in the Hebrew, it's a Hebrew word ruach. And it means wind or breath or spirit. And one of the reasons this is significant is because for Hebrew people, they, they struggled to describe something they couldn't see, just like we do. Um, but they understood wind. They understood breath. Why? Because there is a force to it. There's energy. There's life, even if you can't see it. This last week, uh, I flew back to Oklahoma to see my mom for a few days. And uh, if you, has anybody ever heard the Oklahoma song that Rogers and Hammerstein? And there's this line that says, where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. That is not hyperbole, okay? I forgot how windy it was. Every time I go back to see my mom, I forget how windy it is in Oklahoma. It is windy. And while I was there this last week, uh, the, they had a significant a windy day. I mean, it was crazy. And they had gusts over 70 miles an hour of wind. Not a storm, just winds blowing like crazy. So my mom and I were walking into um, this hamburger joint that I love when I go back to see my mom. It's Brahms Ice Cream and Dairy Store. And so we're walking into Brahms and this wind gust out of nowhere, just woof. And my mom like staggers into me because the force of the wind and it was blowing hard. Now we couldn't see it, but we experienced it. We felt the energy of the wind, right? We felt its power. But if you asked me to describe what it looked like, I couldn't do it. And this is what the Hebrew people were trying to do. Um, in this situation, Moses, who wrote Genesis, is trying to describe the spirit of God. And he said, it's like the wind. There's a force, there's an energy, there's a life. But it's hard for me to describe in words what it really is like. And it's interesting because we see this idea played out over and over and over that there is breath, that there is life, 
that this is what God does, that the spirit is about bringing energy and life to lifeless situations. In fact, the Holy Spirit played a really important role in the first century church. If you look at the book of Acts, which we will get into some in the next few weeks, uh, in the book of Acts, the church as we know it would not have been formed if not for the power of the Holy Spirit, the energy, the force of the Holy Spirit working in normal believers. It just wouldn't have happened. We see a mighty move of God, an incredible move of the Spirit, and it was God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who did that work. So the first thing I'm gonna tell you is the Holy Spirit is God. He is God. The second thing is he's a person. And you go, well, wait a second, how is he God and a person? So this might be a little bit of a stretch, but I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Um, he's not a thing. He is a person. And the reason I know this is that he has a personality. Um, he has a will. He has a way of thinking. Um, he has a way of doing things. We, we can figure out who he is by how he works. And we see this in scripture, that, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, but they are three persons. And a person has a mind, a will, spirit. Now, if we were just talking about life, a tree has life, but a tree is not a person. Uh, a, a dog has life, and a dog even has a soul, but a dog is not a person. And for all you dog lovers, I love my dog most of the time. But I value human life more than I value my dog. The, the, oh, I'm gonna get some mail over this statement. I'm gonna say it. Um, the, the worst human who ever lived still has more intrinsic value than my dog because he's just a dog, right? So a dog does not have the same value as a person because they're not complete. They don't have a spirit. They don't have a, a mind like we do. They don't think, they don't. So because of that, they're not a person. But we see the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit exerts that will. This is a verse I wanna to read to you, Acts chapter 16, verse six. It says this. This is a throwaway verse, a verse that you would read past over and over. It says this, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Bruges and Galatia. <laughs> Did my mic go out? You didn't hear it? Okay. Because the Holy Spirit, you guys are wondering, how, how do you say that? I don't know. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So Paul and Silas, this was Paul's second missionary journey. He had gone on the first missionary journey and then he and Barnabas split up. He went with Silas and he's on this missionary journey. They're going to visit churches, going to start new works and they had intended to go to Asia. But did you see what it said? Because the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. They went somewhere else. They said, God, this is what we want to do. And the Holy Spirit goes, no, nah, you're not doing that. What, did that. what happened? The Holy Spirit exerted his will. 
The Holy Spirit said, you're not gonna do what you wanna do. And Paul and Silas, they submitted, they were submission to God. So when the Holy Spirit spoke to them, they go, okay, good. You know what, we will, we will do something else. Now here's the thing, the Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit's will is God's will because the Holy Spirit is God. And we spend a lot of time, I have lots of conversations with people saying, Mel, what is God's will for my life? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I do this? Should I do this? I need to know what God's will is and here's what I wanna help you with. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal God's will to you because he is God. He wants to show you. He wants to help you. He wants to lead you because this is part of what he does and we'll get into that next week. I'm grateful for when the Holy Spirit says no. See, we wanna hear the yeses. We wanna show me what your will is, God. But, but here's the thing. Sometimes it's more important for us to figure out what the will of God is not. By deduction, we go, okay, this isn't God's will and that's not God's will and this isn't God's will. So we're narrowing the choices, right? I've, I've told there's some single people in our church and sometimes they will tell me, like update me on their dating life and well, it didn't go well. And a lot of times I'll tell them, like every no gets you that much closer to your yes. So what you're doing, you're narrowing the field, right? When, when we came to Indiana, Pennsylvania, we did not pray, God, send us to Western PA. Whatever you need to do, get us there, God. We were praying, God, send us to San Antonio, Texas. Do you know what they don't have in San Antonio, Texas? Snow. <laughs> um, God, send us to Austin. Send us to, right? Like what we're comfortable with, what we know. Send us there. And God closed doors. The Holy Spirit didn't want us there. And we didn't say, God, you must hate us. We said, God, we trust you. Lead us where you want us to be. If you don't want us to go here, then we'll go there. And thank God he's smarter than we are. Because we would have ended up somewhere in the south with warm weather, but doing something we shouldn't have been doing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit exerted his will. And because we were submitted to it and said, God, whatever you want to do, we trust you. God, we don't want to segment you off because this is what we do with God. We go, God, I want part of you, but not all of you. So God, I want you to be uh, my savior. Don't we like that, that God saved us from hell? Rescue, praise God. I would have expected a few more yeses. So that's a little concerning, but I'm grateful that God is our savior, that he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. Thank you, God. I'm grateful that God is our provider. Aren't you grateful for that? You're like, God, thank you for a job where I can pay my bills. Thank you for energy so I can work in my job and strength and knowledge and wisdom so I can do this job and earn money to pay the bills that I've got. Thank you for that, God. We like that. And a lot of times that's where it ends. God, I want you to provide for me and I want you to save me, but, but I'll handle the rest. God, I want you to do this, but I don't want you. But, but what, what happens is when we segment God into certain specific boxes and we say, God, we want this, but we don't want all this, we limit what he can do in our lives and we limit what we get to be a part of. And Paul would have never experienced what he would have experienced if he would have not been attuned to what the Holy Spirit was saying in his life. If he would have thought, you know what, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. 
it would have been different. So he's a person. Third thing is this, he's our advocate. And I'll be honest with you, that's not the word that's used in a lot of translations. In a lot of translations, I might use the word helper. And I hate that word because I think back of like when my girls were little and they would be like, dad, I wanna help with that. And I'd be like, okay, you can be my helper on this project. You hold this light. It's really important that you hold the light. I don't know if I can do the job if you don't hold the light. So hold the light. And really it was like, I gotta keep you busy so you don't get in the way of what I'm doing here, right? And so that's why I hate the word helper in, when it describes a woman with her husband, that she's not a helper. She's not there to hold the light, right? And that is definitely not what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. It's not like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm gonna pacify you. No, 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 it's so much more than that. Um, in John chapter 14, Jesus says this in verse 16. I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and he doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Man, there's a lot to unpack here. Let me start with the last, last part first. It says, you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So one of the things the Holy Spirit does, and we'll walk through this a little more next week, is he draws unbelievers to himself. He convicts the world of unrighteousness. He convicts believers. So he doesn't bring condemnation on believers, but he convicts believers. So when we do something we shouldn't, we respond a way we shouldn't, we say something we shouldn't, and we go, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit going, hey, 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 buddy, right? Pushing on that sensitive spot, and you go, okay, 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 okay. I was wrong, I shouldn't have done that. That's the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of unrighteousness. Um, so the Holy Spirit is necessary for salvation. Why? Because if he didn't convict us of our sinfulness, we would never know we needed a savior. So he convicts, he draws, he's the one who's doing that work. And remember, he's God, so he's been here from the beginning. It's not like he just showed up on the scene. So he is with us, but notice what Jesus says. He said, and, and at some point down the road, he will be in you. And so the implication is it's not enough that he will be with you. You will need to be filled with the spirit. He will, you will need for him to be in you, actively working. This energy, this force, this power of God should be in you. Now again, we'll come back to that. We'll spend more time on that next week and then in week three. So what does he say? So I'll ask the Father who will give you another advocate. This word advocate here, the, the actual word is perikletos in the Greek. It means summoned, called to one side, especially called to one's aid. Um, someone who does this is called a paraclete. And this word for paraclete is comforter, encourager, counselor. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, I've got to go. But when I do, there's gonna be somebody who shows up and he's an advocate, he's a comforter, he's an encourager, he's a counselor, he's someone who will come alongside you and he will never leave you. One of the things I know is over the last year and a half or so, I've talked to so many people who feel so lonely. They feel isolated. Even if they're around people, 
they still feel unseen, unknown, unloved. And this is why the Holy Spirit's important because the Holy Spirit reminds us we are not alone. He is an advocate. He is a comforter. He is a counselor that will never leave us. He'll never abandon us. He'll never drop us. He'll never walk away from us. He is present with you when he is active in your life. And he says, he's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't recognize him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But, but you know him because he lives with you now and will be in you later. See, he comes alongside us. The, the image that it paints here is this picture of my mom walking into Brahms and the wind blowing her into me and I like steady her. That's that kind of picture. When you are walking and your footing is unsure and you need a little help, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside us. He, he's a close friend. Um, <laughs> this is not very spiritual. If you've been around Summit, you know that that's my sweet spot. It's not very spiritual. Um, does anybody remember, if you're my age or older, you might remember, there was a, a commercial when I was a kid for a device that you would wear around your neck. It was like a pendant. It was primarily for older people. And... Um, you could push the button and then it would automatically call uh, for help. And it was called Lifeline. Does anybody remember Lifeline? A few of you, do you remember the commercial for Lifeline? And the, the lady on the commercial, she'd say, they'd say, what's wrong, ma'am? And she would say, oh, I've never been more proud of my church. I've fallen and I can't get up. This became a rally cry for teenagers, for kids on playgrounds. Like every time we fell down, we would, I've fallen and I can't get up. And we would all laugh. It was a joke. It was a punchline. T-shirts and mugs were, were licensed with this saying. The woman who came up with it actually made quite a bit of money off of that. And she was an actress. She didn't actually fall. It wasn't like this was a closed circuit camera in some lady's home. And they're like, wow, this lady just fell. She's in real trouble. Do you remember the old National Geographics and they would show like the guy like snow, snowshoeing through the wilderness and they would show like a mountain lion like praying on him. Like it was like somebody should tell that guy, but they're filming it. That's what I felt like with this woman. They're like, wow, she's falling down. And then she's called Lifeline. Wow, this is lucky we had her on camera, but she was an actress. This didn't really happen, Right. But it does happen. People fall in their homes all the time and they need help. Now they've got cell phones, they've got other ways to communicate that make it a little easier. But, but the truth is, people fall spiritually all the time. Maybe you're not like that woman in the house hitting the lifeline, but maybe you're stuck. Maybe you've fallen. Maybe you're in a place and you can't escape. You've tried, you've worked, you've prayed, you've done everything, but you don't know how to get out of that spot and what you need is a helper. You need somebody who can come alongside you and say, hey, I'm gonna help you when you can't help yourself. I'm gonna strengthen you when you don't have the strength. I'm gonna lift you up when you can't lift yourself. That's the Holy Spirit. 
He's our advocate. This is who he is. This is what he does. He is our paraclete. He is our comforter, our encourager, our counselor. Um, I've said this before, and I'll I'll just let you know. Um, About every six weeks or so, I've got a counselor that I go to see. He's a Christian counselor. He does a great job. He works with a number of pastors. And uh, (laughs) some of you right now are like, what is wrong with Mel? He is broken, right? And the first time I went and saw my counselor, I sat down with him and he said, okay, so what's going on? And he was basically asking like, what's wrong with you that I need to fix? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm a pastor and, um, and I don't have anything like cataclysmic. I just, I just want this to be regular routine for my life. Like, it's kind of like your oil change. You don't wait for the engine to seize up to get your oil changed, Right? You get your oil changed so the engine doesn't seize up. And I'm like, this is an oil change, my man. Like, I just, I wanna be able to keep going for a long time. I wanna keep loving people and pastoring. And and so I need someone to talk to. And here's what my counselor does for me. I will go in and he is an objective third party. He loves me, but I'm not his pastor. I'm not his friend. Um, We don't have any relationship other than he's my counselor. And the beautiful thing is I can sit down with him and I can share what's going on in my life. I can share some of my struggles. I can share some of the things that I, I might be dealing with. And he can speak objectively to me. And this is what he does. He gives me tools. He'll say, hey, let me reframe that for you. Hey, you're looking at this in the wrong way. How about if you look at it from this perspective? Or, hey, have you thought about doing this when you're encountering this kind of feeling or situation? And what he does is he gives me tools so that I can navigate those situations better. And this is precisely what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He's our counselor, and he gives us tools to navigate the difficulty of our lives better. And we'll get into some of the specifics in a couple of weeks, but, but this is who he is. He's our advocate He's our comforter, our encourager. He's the one who comes alongside us. And the last thing is this. He's our friend. He's our friend. See, we think the Holy Spirit is like um, like the weird uncle that we see at Christmas that we want to kind of avoid, that like, yeah, he's part of our family, but we're not really sure we want him to be part of our family. Holy Spirit's our friend. He, he wants to be your friend. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. This is his desire. He, he wants to be active in your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says this. Paul tells the Corinthian church, and this is his last letter to the Corinthians, and he says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. What he's saying is there is a culture of heaven that other cultures don't get. They don't understand the language. They don't understand what we're saying. They don't understand what God is doing. It is foreign to them. Um, I, I don't know when it was. I don't know what age threshold I crossed when this happened, but I'm officially the uncool dad. I was cool for a while, 
but not anymore. And I don't know how it happened or when it happened, but it happened. And the reason I know this is because I will try to use like language that kids culture uses, like my daughter, her culture, they use words and they, they won't say something is suspicious, they'll say something is sus. Well, that's sus because the last syllables are just so laborious. Woo, we gotta streamline our communication. So, so if I say something sus, Emma will be like, dad, do you even know what that means? I don't, actually, I don't know what it means. What does it mean? And there's a number of things that she will say that I'm like, okay, what, is, what do you mean by that? I know what the literal word means, but what is, what is it that you're saying? What does that mean? Why? Because there's a cultural difference. I don't get her culture, right? She uses language that I don't use. Thank God, by the way. And this is what happens. The Spirit speaks things to us and through us. Uh, there is language we use because we are familiar with who God is and what God wants to do in our lives that people who are outside the culture just don't understand. And it doesn't make them worse, it just makes it different. And so what we have to understand is because we are friends with God, there is a language, there is a culture that is associated with that that other people won't get. There, there is a culture that other people will go, that doesn't make sense. Why do you go to church on Sundays? Well, why, are you do, why, why do you pray? Why do you give money to that church? All they want is your money. And what you have to understand is there's a culture that we get that other people don't get because we're in a relationship with God. We're in a relationship with the Spirit. We are friends with the Spirit. We're friends with God. In Psalm chapter 25, the psalmist said, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. God wants to be our friend. He wants to be in relationship with us. And he'll teach us that culture. He'll teach us what it looks like to be friends. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 Paul says this, he was wrapping up his letter to the Corinthians, the second letter, and he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What a great blessing. Notice three unique things he said here. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the, the grace that Jesus extended to us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We're not good enough to, to receive salvation, but it was because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. I could say a lot about this. Um, do you know what our world needs more than anything else? The love of God. The church needs to know how to love people really well. And it doesn't mean we're gonna love them to the point we accept everything that they do and we endorse everything they do. We love them enough to, to speak truth in spite of how we feel. We, we're gonna love them really well, not just the way we feel, but the way God loves. That would change a lot of things if we would embrace the love of God. And so Paul, he's wrapping up his letter and he says, I wanna remind you, here's what's really important. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
that you're in friendship, in relationship with the Holy Spirit. In the message version, it says, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit will be with you all. Paul says this is really important, that you're friends with him, that you don't just know him, you're not just familiar with him. The world we live in today, it's easy to look at social media and go, well, I've got 5,000 friends. I can look at my friends list, I'm not exaggerating, and I have no idea who some of those people are. I'm like, who, who is this? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's the kid I was in junior high with, it's his cousin that I saw one summer. Are we friends? Well, Facebook says we are but we are not. But this is how we classify friends. And this is how some of us wanna be friends with the Holy Spirit. But Paul says, that's not enough. His prayer was that we would be intimate friends with the Holy Spirit, that we would know each other deeply. In fact, the word here that's used in the Greek is koinonia. And koinonia has a lot of different implications, has a lot of different ideas, has a lot of different meanings but they can all be boiled down into three basic meanings. Number one is fellowship. And this is just sharing your life together. This is a churchy word, but fellowship is just sharing your lives together. It's doing things together. It's spending time together. This is fellowship. This is what we should be doing with the Holy Spirit, spending time with him, letting him spend time with us. Partnership. Partnership is working together for a common good. It's saying, okay, we're gonna work together for a common purpose. And in fact, that's one of the primary reasons the Holy Spirit was sent. I said this a few weeks ago in our Level Up series. In the weekend, we did a series called Cheat Code, and we talked about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And I told you this, God sent Jesus to manifest his glory on earth, but God sent the Holy Spirit to manifest his glory through us. God wants to manifest his glory through us because he has an intended purpose and our purposes can come into alignment. We can be in partnership with the Holy Spirit to see God's purposes and his will done on planet earth. And the last thing is intimacy. Real intimacy is hard to find. We, we think of physical intimacy when we talk about intimacy just because of our culture. But when we talk about biblical intimacy, Physical intimacy is what, what capped everything off. You were only physically intimate with your, your spouse after you already knew everything else about them. There were no secrets. There were no unanswered questions. There was total vulnerability. And this is the picture that, that Paul's painting here. This is what he desires for us, is to be totally vulnerable with God, to say, God, there is nothing in me that is not yours. It is all yours. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not holding anything back. I am all in and I am all yours because that's the way God has loved us. He's held nothing back from us. He, he's offered us everything. And yet we respond and we go, that's great. I'll take this and this and this but I'm gonna keep this part for myself. And Paul says, no, no, no. My greatest desire is that you will know the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and be intimate friends with the Holy Spirit. He wants to be your friend. He wants to know you, but it's up to you. Will you be submitted to him? Will you say, okay, I welcome you. I invite you. And that's the question. Hey, right now I'm gonna turn it over to our hosts in Blairsville. They're gonna close out the remainder of this message. They're gonna give you an opportunity to respond, but I want you to know I love you guys more than you know. I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. 
So really, as we wrap up today, my challenge to you is pretty simple. Intimacy with God begins with relationship with Jesus. God sent his son to be a bridge, to bridge the gulf of sin that we can never bridge on our own. He sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins on the cross. So in order to know God, we have to know Christ. So I wanna give you that opportunity. And here's my challenge to you. When it comes to this idea of who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in our lives. I know some of you have had weird experiences in your past and I want you to know something. Um, we're not gonna pressure you. No, I'm not trying to sell anything to you. I'm not trying to get you to sign up for something. I just don't want you to leave anything on the table. And so what I want you to do this week is I just want you to begin to pray. If you're a Christian, but you've never experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, I just want you to pray this week. God, show me who the Holy Spirit is. Reveal it to me. Help me see it. Just begin to pray that prayer every day. God, show me. Show me who the Holy Spirit is. I want you to read John 14, 15, and 16, because you're gonna get a good idea of who the Holy Spirit is. You're gonna hear what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit and why he's important in our lives. And I'm not asking you to do anything else. Just pray. Just say, God, show me. And I believe he will. Next week, we're gonna talk about what does he do? What's he like? And we're gonna walk through it. And then again, at the end of next weekend, I'm not gonna pressure you. I'm not trying to sell you. I just wanna walk through what the Bible says. So I don't want you to feel any pressure or anxiety or fear, but I also am not going to leave this stuff out because people might be uncomfortable. Because if it's in there, we're preaching it. So that's my challenge to you today. So I wanna pray for you. Then I'm gonna ask you to pray with me if you'd like to receive Christ. So why don't you bow your head and close your eyes all of this place. God, we thank you that you are so good. We thank you that you sent your son to save us, to rescue us from our sinfulness, to, to introduce us to you so we can be in a relationship. But God, I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit as well. And you sent the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered, so that we can be comforted, so that we can have an advocate. God, I pray that you'd open up our hearts, open up our, our minds and help us to see who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. Help us see that every good gift that comes from a good father is one we should receive. So God, I pray that we would, um, we would approach you with hearts that are submitted that we would be not just looking for your yeses, but we'd be listening for your noes too. So God, speak into us. Help us see who you are and what you wanna do. I pray for those that are here right now that don't know you. I pray for those that, that are not really in relationship with you. Maybe they've said a prayer, maybe they're religious, but they've never really surrendered at all to you. Let today be the day they say, God, I surrender everything. I hold nothing back that they experience the, the joy of being adopted in, to being a son and daughter of God. God, I pray for those that are here that maybe have had bad experiences in church in regards to the Holy Spirit. I pray that, that God, you would ease the pain of those moments and the stress of those moments. And I pray that you give us clear eyes to see and clear ears to hear what you wanna say and what you wanna do. 
So God, have your way with us over these next few moments. Now with nobody looking around, your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you'd say to me today, Mel, I'm not really serving God. I'm not really in relationship with Jesus, but I know today I need to surrender it all to him. I'm not gonna make you come up to the front. I just wanna pray with you. In the book of Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So what I wanna do is I just wanna pray a prayer with you and I'm gonna ask everyone in this room to pray this prayer with me. But if, if you're here and you'd say, Mel, I wanna pray that prayer specifically. I wanna surrender my life to Christ today. I know I'm not where I need to be. Include me in that prayer. Would you slip your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. Yeah, thank you. On my right. Awesome. Yeah, I see, I see your hand on my right as well. Thank you. Who else would say, Mel, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. Yeah, thank you, ma'am. I see you. Just a couple more seconds. Anyone else? All right. I'd like everybody in this place to pray this prayer with me out loud. Don't just repeat it mindlessly, but pray it from your heart. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to pay the penalty for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, my life is yours. Use it for your glory. Forgive me of my sin. I'll never go back to my old life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with us today, scripture says you're a new creation. Now we wanna help you take the next step in your faith journey. The simplest thing for you to do would be to either text uh, Summit PA to the number 94,000 or you can take the card out of the seat back in front of you and simply fill it out, drop it off at the info center. They're gonna give you some information and uh, help you take the next step. We're gonna get you connected to a group called Starting Point that is gonna help you grow in your faith. We're gonna help get you some resources. They're gonna help you begin to grow. So thank you for praying that prayer with us today. Um, I'm gonna throw you a curveball today. Normally this is where we go, okay, we're done. Have a good day. Um, we're gonna do this a little different. We're gonna sing one more song together and we're gonna worship together. And what I wanna do, um, I don't want this just to be the prelude to the exit. What I want you to do over these next few minutes as we're worshiping together is, is I want you to ask God, God, what do you wanna show me from what we just talked about, what I just heard? God, what do you, how do you wanna apply this to my life? What do I need to do? God, what do I need to allow you to do in my life? And while we're singing, our prayer team's gonna be right down here at the front of this room and they're here to pray with you no matter what your need may be. And I wanna encourage you as we're worshiping, if you would like someone to pray with you, we would be honored to pray with you. So please step out while we're singing this last song. And then our prayer team's gonna stick around for a little bit afterwards as well. And then in just a moment when we're done, um, you'll be dismissed. So why don't you stay in your feet and let's worship together one more time before we go. But guys, I hope you know this. I love you more than you know. And I'm so honored that I get to be your pastor. I love you guys. God bless you.